my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. I am your host, Julie Turney, and today we are having a very interesting conversation about bias in the workplace, and I think that you are going to absolutely love, 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 love my guest today, Sejal Thacker. I met Sejal through my very good friend, Brian Bashan who's always sending great people my way. So when he um, interacted with Sejal, he was like, I think there's someone that you need to meet. And he introduced Sejal and I through LinkedIn. And it was such a pleasure to meet her, speak to her. And not too long after we met, Sejal did her first TEDx talk. I was super proud of her. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about who she is, what she does. And you know how we do this. So Sejal, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Yes, huge, huge shout out to Brian for introducing us, right? Like seriously, he's so amazing. I'm I'm such a cheerleader for him. I mean, same thing with you as well. So thank you for inviting Mm -hmm. me to be on here. I was looking forward to our conversation. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. It's always funny, like how we meet, how you meet people. Um, And I I always say to people, never, ever... Um, neglect the power of LinkedIn, of LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn is such a powerful space to meet amazing professionals who really care about what they do. And when I, when Brian introduced us, the first thing I did is I went and I looked at your LinkedIn profile. I was like, yes, yes, I love it. I love what you are about. So, so while I've read it and everything, and I want people to get to know you, who you are, what you do, Sejal, tell us your origin story. Who is Sejal? How did you get here? Okay, so <laughs> I think the most important part of my story is that I'm a mother, right? So my son, he's turns nine actually next week, sure. um, is is like the center of my universe, right? So that's like when I when I think of myself, that's the first thing that comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am, I'm having fun. I'm one of those, I'm grateful and blessed to be able to do what I love to do right now. It's taken a long way. I mean, it's taken me a long time to get to this point, but I'm actually just loving the space that I'm in right now and the impact that I'm having on the world. I, you know, I was an employment lawyer licensed in California. I did that for a while and I'm still licensed as an attorney, but I've decided to focus in on educating people about how do we create better workplaces, better communities, better people, better humans, all of this stuff. And so it's evolved. And right now I'm just um, talking about the power of LinkedIn. I mean, I, I was, I was saying this to somebody the other day that I was looking at my cell phone and everybody that was on there that I've recently had messaged and connected with has been through LinkedIn and they've mm-hmm. all been from the last year. Yeah. Year and a half. yeah. It's unbelievable. It's a powerful, powerful place. And I, I really, um, I really sing their praises for the amazing work that they're doing. Um, 
and creating this community of just bringing professionals together to be able to share and their thoughts and their professional their profession with other people Mm -hmm. um so you can find mentors on linkedin you can find you know your you can find your best friend on linkedin like anything is possible with that with that network that you create for yourself I'll even take it a step further than that, Julie. Like I met a woman on LinkedIn, her name, shout out to Nicole Ash. I met her on LinkedIn and now our kids are friends. Like we've set them up on virtual play dates. And mm-hmm. so, because last year we couldn't go anywhere, anywhere. So we would just put, the, and now they have a relationship. So next weekend, actually I'm meeting her and her son for the very first time uh-huh. to celebrate my son's birthday together in um, Pismo beach. So it's just, it, it, but you have to put yourself out there, right? Yes, I think you. you have to make the time to make these connections, but oh my God, you can meet some it's amazing people. Definitely. And it's definitely mm-hmm. worth it in the end. I think um, just as you said at the beginning, like major kudos and shout outs to Brian, because um, I can't even remember where our journey began, but Brian is just such an awesome person. And like, I'm super blessed. I feel like when Brian enters your life, it's such a, such a feeling of comfort and ease. And he's always a, a you know, there to be your cheerleader, you know, um, he's a great person to bounce ideas off of and that kind of stuff. Amazing person. If you're not connected to Brian Bashan, you need to go find him right now and also connect with Sejal, make that happen, right? Now. So, <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> so Sejal, like, why is it that you felt it was so important to use your voice to talk about bias in the workplace? So your, your TEDx talk, tell us what it's called and why you felt it was important for you to talk about this particular topic. Yeah, um, so my, thank you. The TEDx talk is the pain, the paradox and power of bias. And it's, it's, it's really everything that I've done in my life has led me to do that talk, right? Um, it's somehow contributed to it, but it all started because I started my own company three and a half years ago. And I focus just on training. And so I started doing a lot of training in this area of unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. I was already doing that before my company. But as I started doing more of it, what I realized was that I wasn't able to get through to people because the minute they heard that word bias, I could feel that they would disconnect from that conversation altogether. And Mm -hmm. so I what I did to work around that was I started replacing that word bias with the word belief in my training sessions. So instead of calling it unconscious bias, I started calling it unconscious beliefs. And then all of a sudden, everybody was listening. Everybody wanted to learn more about how the brain works and all of this stuff. And, and I was like, holy crap, this is powerful. Like everybody needs to understand their own biases because they're normal. Mm-hmm. And how do we normalize that conversation? So that led to my decision to do want to do the TEDx talk was to just change that narrative on that word. Right. And then in the, in the talk, I, I talk about, you know, my story, my own personal story of what I've gone through and, and also, you know, how my story had this twist in it that I don't think most people would imagine. And so I really, really enjoyed doing that talk. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And I learned so much about you from that talk and I loved your story. So thank you for being so vulnerable and then, you know, sharing your knowledge and your insights. For those of us who, I guess, may be new, um, I have 
a lot of different listeners across a lot of different ages. What do we, what do you mean when you talk about unconscious belief or unconscious bias? Yeah. So, you know, when a couple of different things I want to point out about unconscious bias, right? It's normal. So that means that when you, our brain, the way that it processes all this information. So we have a ton of information that's constantly coming at us, right? So in my talk, I, I mentioned some of the statistics, right? Like that Harvard said how much we, we process like 11 million pieces of information every single second. Mm -hmm. And so, but only 50 of that is consciously processed. So you've got all this data coming at you. So your brain starts to create these filing buckets everywhere and then it creates these shortcuts. So now you're going to meet somebody for the first time that you don't know anything about. And because of just our, the way that our brain is wired, you make all these assumptions about mm -hmm. these people. Mm -hmm. Now, they could be good assumptions. They could be positive hidden beliefs or they could be negative ones. Right. right. So but the point is, is that we all do it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about figuring out what your shortcuts are and how your brain processes information so that when you are making important decisions, like, am I going to sit next to Julie or am I going to hire her? I don't use any of these preconceived notions I might have because of the normal functioning of our brain against her. Yeah. Right. And so it's really important work to do this because until you start doing the work, you can't mitigate, mitigate the harmful effects of these hidden beliefs that you hold. Mm -hmm. So if you're not aware of it, you can't do anything about it. So the first step is always learning about what they are, right? And then once you do, then the second thing would be now you can put into place some strategies mm -hmm. to help you minimize that bias. So like in my talk, I talk about, I use, that's where I use the HAT acronym. Yes. And I talked about hold off, mm -hmm. ask why, and take action as a way to mitigate your bias. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really um, love that analogy that you gave because it really helps people to break it down in a more simple way. But you raised something very interesting and also very important. And I know a lot of uh, my audience will probably go, okay, so what does this have to do with HR? But a lot of unconscious bias exists in the HR space, um, from recruiting to promoting to you know, building culture. A, a lot of times we come across these things in terms of how we create unconscious biases as HR professionals. And I remember sharing my story sometime back, and I shared it in my book as well, about the unconscious bias that, that I recognized that people had against me if I was going to apply for a job and people looked at me and saw that I was a thick person, I'm a thick woman. So versus being a uh, 26, 36, 42, whatever, 26, 36, 26, um, <laughs> I'm none of those numbers. So, uh, and, I've, and I've been that way for most of my life. So you see the unconscious bias that people have about, oh, I can't hire her. She's fat. She'll be lazy. She's not going to get anything done versus, you know, this person could be really smart, could bring value, but you've created that bias by looking at my size. Right. So important. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing that. I mean, it, it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable mm -hmm. about those situations. And, and we, you know, and, and it, it is true, you know, it's unfair to make judgments about people and, and things, you know, and, and, and it's absolutely has to do with hiring and HR and culture and everything. Every important decision we make, these kind of assumptions and preconceived notions can negatively impact that and give dis unearned disadvantages to people 
that don't deserve it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think especially, and that was the other thing is, especially this last year and a half has brought all of that stuff to the surface. Mm-hmm. And I'll be, I'll tell you, I'm seeing some really positive things happening. I'm seeing people really do the work to understand. And I'm seeing people on both sides you know, um, working hard to get to the middle and, and doing the inner work to say, okay, whether we like it or not, we're here. And what do we do to move forward? And we all have to unite to do this work. And it starts with each and every single one of us. And that's why I did that TEDx talk, Julie, is because I really believe that people need to understand their bias so we can move forward together. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right? So it took a lot of courage for me to share my personal story in that talk. I mean, I must have rewritten that script like a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Really? Because I had to dig deep to make to, to bring that story out. And I was super emotional going through that. It was very healing. Yeah. Ultimately, it helped heal some things, but it brought up so much pain. Yeah. It, it took me back there. I was like re-traumatized again going through it. But I believe, I truly believe that people need to understand this topic um, from the core of me. And so I'm out there talking about it. It's a Saturday and here we are doing this recording. Yeah. Because I believe that this message needs to get heard more. And I think everybody with a brain <laughs> needs to watch that talk, right? Yeah. And seriously learn from it because there are things we can do about it. You know, there are absolutely things we can do. Each one of us has to do something and, and there are simple things that we can do, so... Definitely. So those of you who are listening today, and you recognize it as you sit in the HR space, those moments where you have held a bias by in, in the interview process. Someone's come to an interview with blue hair, mm-hmm. or they've come to an interview with some tattoos that you can that you can see, mm-hmm. or they've come to an interview with a ring in their nose or a ring in their tongue. Yeah. Because sometimes people make certain life choices, but they want to do better. They want to do better. And they've obviously come to you um, or your organization because they want to work somewhere where they believe it's a good place to work without being judged, right? Or you've sat in a conference room and you're going through a disciplinary matter, but you've already made your own preconceived notions about the person who has brought the complaint, whether it be a male or female. And and these are all different areas where you can create that unconscious bias. In those Mm -hmm. moments as an HR professional, you need to dig deeper. Right, Sejo? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. We all have them, uh, you know, and and I think that that's that's the issue about this conversation is that you know, it's, it can result in benefits or disadvantages to people that don't deserve it. And so the other part of that is we haven't even talked about is microaggressions or microaffirmations, right? So, so now if you're not aware of what your hidden beliefs are, unintentionally, unconsciously, now you're going to, it's going to come out in your tone of your voice, in your words, in your actions, in your behaviors without you even knowing it. So here you are thinking, why are they not, why is everyone not being friendly to me? But all along, you've been giving off some messages to them that maybe lead them to think that you're not, you don't want, you don't like them. What does that look like? What does that look like? Give us an example of that. So um, one of the tools that I talk about in my trainings that I do to learn about your bias is called the implicit association test. 
It was a tool, anybody can go to Google and just type it in. It was an online tool by Harvard University, University of Virginia, University of Washington, a bunch of a big wigs, all these psychologists got together and put this very simple tool together that's broke it out into different sections, right? That you can sit down and take. So like race, religion, national origin, age. I mean, it's all these different ones that you sit down and you take it. And all it does is it identifies for you areas of potential bias, right? So as a human being, when you're presented with two options, you're going to lean in one direction, mm-hmm. right? It's just, we have two things. You got you to pick one. You're going to just naturally lean. So it lets you know what those natural tendencies are that you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then when you're making all these important decisions, you don't let those natural tendencies interfere. So for example, when, when I took it, and I took a different version of it, but when I took it, I would, one of the tests that I took said, ask me these four questions, right? One of them was, if you have a daughter, do you feel comfortable dressing your daughter in all pink? I'm wearing pink right now. Like I love yes. pink. pink looks great on everybody, you know, on, mm-hmm. on girls. If you have a daughter, if you have a son, do you feel comfortable dressing your son in all blue? Of course, I put, you know, I think blue looks good on everybody, right? If you have a son, do you feel, you know, it goes through four questions. And then the last question was, if you have a son, do you feel comfortable dressing your son in all pink? And it made me stop. Like I paused. That, that, that's evidence of bias. Now, does that make me a bad person? No. That just means somewhere along the way, probably my mother, said to me don't dress boys in pink and so it's lodged in here now I don't agree with that statement in fact I think I think pink looks great on everybody and who cares where what whatever color makes you feel comfortable but the point is is let's say I'm hiring now and I wasn't aware of that bias and now let's say two men walk in and one of them has a pink tie on I have a negative bias towards that right so who's to say that that's going to in my mind, without me even knowing it, somehow impact my decision to not hire him. Yeah. That's a huge deal. That is. I would have never known that had I not taken that test. Right. Think about the impact. You're making decisions that impact people's lives. And there might be these biases that are impacting those decisions that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this is life, sometimes life and death, like in medical situations, in the legal system, in the criminal system, this could result in people's lives being lost. I think it's time that we do the work to figure it out, right? And, and get this right. Definitely. So. I agree with you 100%. I think your legal background also makes it even more, um, lends more to the, you know, be, you being able to educate people about where these biases are, are created and the legal implications they have on the workplace as well. Mm-hmm. Sage, tell me what impact has this talk had on your life? Like what is the response that you've been getting from people? I've seen a lot of it on LinkedIn, but I'm sure you're getting it from all areas. What has that done for you and your life? Oh my God, the the I mean the, the feedback that I've gotten has been phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely impacted people. And, and what the thing that really is, has been so powerful for me in this whole process was that the, so many other people have felt like that, what I'd gone through, what I'd gone through. So it made me feel and recognize that I wasn't alone in what I've gone through, you know, and, and I really feel like people appreciated understanding it a little bit more about how bias works and a simple framework to help them that they could put into place right away to improve their relationships. So as far as the impact goes, like I am beyond the moon. I, I just feel like 
I, I, I put myself out there and mm-hmm. I feel like that was worth it for me to do that. Um, after, you know, as, as a, as a result of that, you know, I've, I've gotten so many opportunities to be on podcasts, to talk about that story, which again, I'm passionate about and I want people to hear. So it's definitely opened a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most important thing is, you know, I, I just, I talk about my father in that talk, you know, and, and what a wonderful way to honor his legacy, you mm-hmm. know, and, and put that out there. So that has just totally just amazing, like filled up my heart with, by doing that. So, yeah. What has that done? What does your son think about it? Oh my God. He's so proud, you know, and, and he's in it too. So again, Mm -hmm. this is going to be something for him when he gets older. Um, but I just, you know, he, he saw me kind of go through the whole process of practicing for it and stressing out while I was getting ready for it. And it was no easy thing to pull that thing, this thing off because, um, originally I was supposed to be on stage, which yeah. is where I'm more comfortable. I'm comfortable. I talk, I do public speaking all day long. So I'm comfortable in front of a stage and I'm comfortable doing this, just having a conversation, but actually recording a video yeah. like that is not my comfort zone at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because you had to write the whole script out first that's the, I never write out scripts. I mean, I do like bullet points and then I just kind of go with the flow. Right. Yeah. And they, they require that you actually write out the entire script. And so you had to verbalize it down in writing. And that was really challenging to do because mm-hmm. I felt like, it, you know, I, I wanted to flow from my heart, but also, um, you know, be impactful. So a lot of, a lot of hard work, um, but he saw me go through that. And so I feel like he learned a lot yeah. to see me accomplish that goal that hopefully that'll help him and, and, and kind of be like a good role model for him too. Definitely. You are a great mom. And I'm sure that, you know, your son is going to grow up and go like every time he sees that he'll be like, that's my mom. She's but I want him to remember. Absolutely. My mom is my hero. Such a yes. Yeah. Kudos to you. Once again, I'm so proud of you people. Please go check out that TED talk it really is a powerful impactful talk and you can tell that Sage you put your all into that your facial expressions the way you told your story about your dad and your personal story and the things that you learned and how you want people to do better and be better when it comes to bias spot on I loved it I watched it twice actually so kudos to you well, any final words that you would want to, or advi- of advice that you would give HR, HR professionals right now when it comes to um, bias and how they approach the workplace, especially now um, come, as we start to slowly come through the pandemic, um, any advice that you have for HR right now, please share. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the perfect time for HR to reinvent HR. Right. I think it's the perfect time to really do the work now. Right. Because we can justify it to say we are now having to we have to redo everything anyway for the modern world. So within that process, just incorporate the bias, you know, analysis right into it. So I recently just took on a a chief culture officer position at a venture studio called Nobody Studios. Right. And um, such an amazing uh, team of leaders because they, they right from the beginning are, you know, saying we want to put our culture first. And so I don't know of many startups, you know, that have like such a small number of employees have somebody designated to take a look at their culture. I honestly don't know of many at all. Right. Um, And, and so being there, 
I'm starting from scratch, right? And I'm actually already working on hiring, right? So I'm creating a list saying, what are all the areas or ways that bias can get into the hiring practices? Right. We can't just rely on our gut instinct when we want to hire, mm-hmm. right? Because our gut instinct comes from our lived experiences, which yeah. include our biases, right? Mm-hmm. So find ways to make your processes more objective, right? So that you can kind of minimize it. Now, there's no way to eliminate it altogether, but you can be intentional in saying, okay, when we look at our promotion what are we looking at as far as their performance evaluations? When we're hiring somebody, when we're interviewing them, what are the questions we can ask to make sure we ask everybody the same questions? So we get so there are things that you could implement. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And then also like onboarding, right? A lot of the times it's important for HR as you're bringing people back to the office that you think about how are we going to onboard employees virtually or if they're at home and because mm-hmm. that you got to make people feel welcome right from day one. Right. Um, and so so that's another thing that I'm working on right now, which I'm just like, wow, this really has to be looked at by all companies, because last year changed the way that we look at work. Yeah. And so you got to do it differently to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Tell us, Sejal, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy? You know, um, I'm reading a book right now called, what is it? Um, uh, I just started reading another one. Oh, Blank, Blank Space. Um, It's a book that was written by a gentleman. Uh, His first name is Craig, but he went to prison. Mm-hmm. And then he came out, uh, Craig Stanley, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. um, he went to prison and he got out and he reinvented his life. And mm-hmm. so I love like self-improvement books like that. And I love hearing, I love reading those stories about transformation and things like that. So uh, really, oh, blank, I'm sorry, Blank Canvas. That's what it's called, oh, Blank Canvas. Yeah, really great. And he, he's, he's also a TEDx speaker as well. And he's on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm reading. And it's kind of, it's kind of really interesting to read it because what I, what I'm realizing as I'm reading it is that, you know, in his, in his situation, his story was different, but I think when you start realizing and reading these books of other people's experiences, you realize, wow, we're not alone in this. We've no. all gone through yeah. various yeah. I mean, circumstances might be different, but that uh-huh. process of transformation that we do internally, all of us have to go through it. And it's very similar. Yeah. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll, I'll put the link to it in the comments <laughs> for this podcast as well. Um, the big question, Sejo, what is the one misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Okay. Yes. I love that question. That see, this one can roll right off my tongue. Uh (laughs) I say this all the time. Okay. Look, (laughs) HR needs to be neutral. Okay. They are not on the side of the company or the supervisor. Now it's very easy to get caught in that trap HR. So I know, but look, Employees are not going to come to you with their concerns, with their issues, with their complaints, if they don't think you're going to be neutral. And so you need to be neutral. Like you, you are the person that, you know, if if we do this right and HR stays neutral and then you empower everyone in your organization, you can significantly create better cultures. So stay neutral. And and if you're being asked to do something by the higher ups that you don't agree with, or that's making you not be neutral anymore, then speak up. Yes. 
speak up, do yourself a favor and speak up. Don't just go along with it because again, you have to stay neutral for this to work. Otherwise it does not work. You know, as you said that I was remembering um, an interview that I watched recently with one of my heroes in my head, Lovie Ajayi Jones, where she was talking about her book, The Professional Troublemaker and what Mm -hmm. it means to be a professional troublemaker. And she said that one of the things that she does is when there's something happening and she's like, she doesn't agree with it. She goes, okay, if I don't say anything about it, if I'm going to regret it, like you need to think that again, like if I use my voice and I use it in a positive way, then I'm being a professional troublemaker. But if I use my voice in a way, if I don't use my voice and I stay mute, then I'm complicit. Do I want to be complicit to something I don't agree with? Like that really blew my mind. Like when you think about being a troublemaker, you know, you think about it in a bad way, but if you're being a professional troublemaker, then you really are trying to make a positive impact and use your voice. Oh my God, that talk, by the way, you got to put that talk link into the notes because phenomenal TED talk. I mean, oh my God, I love her. She's awesome. Shout out, shout out time. I mean, that talk, everybody needs to see that talk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Lovey is like my, my, my hero in my head who someday I want to meet. Totally. Totally. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Speaking all things into being. I actually tweeted, I actually tweeted once that I wanted to interview her on my podcast and she replied back and said, well, shoot your shot. And I did. (laughs) She shot me down. But I shot my shot. That was that was just the first time. We gotta try again, right? We're gonna shout her up now. And and I've had no response. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen. I'm on your side now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I did say in my second um, request to invite her, um, I will keep trying until you say yes. Yes, it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. We're putting the intention out there right now. It's gonna happen. Lovey, if you ever hear this podcast. You are my hero. You will hear it because we will tag it. No, we will tag her on LinkedIn when we put it out. She will hear about it. Uh I'll put a post out and I'll I'll tag her in and say, we gave you a shout out on here. She's going to want to watch that. Ah, Then you're going to hear, she's inviting you to the podcast. And we, we, oh my God, you have to, because her her TED Talk was amazing, but the work that she does is phenomenal. So the world needs to hear more about it. Yep. Absolutely. Like the inspiration to write my book I got from Lovey. So, you know. Yay. She's really big time for me. I owe her a lot. She's a huge, I'm a huge fan. Sejal, can you tell the beautiful people who are listening where they can find you on social media? Yeah. So the only one, the only social media website I'm on is LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn, connect with me on there, follow me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I'm always putting out like content regarding any, all the stuff we talked about here today. And I really enjoy like uplifting people and creating positivity in the world. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be the way to connect with me. And if you want to learn more about the work that I'm doing, you can check out the name of my company is train extra mm-hmm. and it's T R A I N X T R A dot com is my company website. So you can learn more about the work that I'm doing. I will include that. I will include that in the write up for this podcast. Don't worry. And with that being said, you have survived your time in the sound booth. Thank you so much. Yay, thank you. For being here today. I wish you all the very best. And I know that we will definitely stay in touch. I'm going to continue to watch you grow and thrive Um, on LinkedIn but I'm also here cheering you in my corner so don't just know you have a cheerleader over here in Barbados 
I love charity <laughs> and, and right back at you. I'm, I'm here to support you. So anything you need, let me know how I could support you. And I got you for sure. You're awesome. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next sound off.